and welcome. Hi. Yeah, this will end. We'll begin the episode by talking about tools. Yeah. <laughs> but we just had a chat I... about uh, different kinds of chargers and, and all um... the nonsense going on. <laughs> yeah. The chaos of charging ports. <laughs> yes. So, we are going to get into some rather dark uh, topics this week. Somehow, Rogue and I also synced up on <laughs> stories. We almost uh, both did serial killers, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will be talking about I mean, Pee-wee Gaskins. Would mine still be considered a kind of like a micro serial killer? They did kill babies. I don't know. Anyway, I'm gonna do a little story on the Butterbox babies. Yeah. So More stay on tuned. the people for them, not the actual babies themselves. Yeah. No. Nobody needs to hear about that. That's already horrific. It'll to begin be mentioned with. very briefly, but it's mainly gonna be about the people who uh, did the uh, killing. Right. Yes. So this is anyway, your this is your general content warning, um, trigger warning. Don't listen to this with kids around, please. Don't even listen to our podcast with kids around. Yeah, no, we do not cover kid friendly topics. We also randomly dive into <laughs> talking about adult things. Yeah, we're so. adults, so we're allowed. <laughs> Is that for the audience or for us to remind us that that we're adults? <laughs> I forget sometimes. I don't feel like an adult ever. Me neither. I still feel like I should be like in my early 20s sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with life. I know. I have a tiny person and yet I still have no idea what I'm doing. I could never imagine. I have my cats. I want another cat. What? Speaking of tiny people. Oh, I didn't hear her. It just went silent. I was just like, "Why are we? Why are we silent?" No, no, no. I was, I was leaving a break. Uh, ah, speaking of tiny people, Donald Henry Parrot Jr., which was his legal name, is known as the meanest, meanest man in America. Not Maine. (laughs) (laughs) I did not proofread my notes. Me either. Meanest man in America, the redneck Charles Manson, and the hitchhiker's killer. Pee Wee Gaskins was born March 13, 1933, in Florence County, South Carolina, to Yalea Parrott. I have no idea how to pronounce that. I probably should have. I'm sorry, what? He was born to a parrot? No, the last name is Parrot. Uh, and he was the youngest of her illegitimate children. Ah, Pee-wee's... fantastic. Yeah. This is just the beginning. It gets so much worse. Pee-wee's mother had a revolving door of men coming through his childhood home. I don't believe he knew who his father was, but he called most of them stepdaddy since he never cared to learn their names since they were never around long enough. Stepdaddy. Yeah. Oh no, uh, Betty, I've fallen into the dryer. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, supposed to be step bro, but whatever. <laughs> oh no, I'm stuck. Help me, step bro. I'm falling into washing machines and dryers, though. I don't get it. Um, I've been stuck 
I like I got stuck under the coffee table once because my hair got stuck on a bolt and I couldn't get it oh, no. like unstuck. And then I've also gotten stuck on the springs of my mic stand. That is true. I got stuck to a vacuum <laughs> once. I did too. <laughs> I was vacuuming the store I used to work at and um, I bent over to grab something. Dumbass me forgot my hair was loose. And just whoop. And I was like, yep. I panicked so hard. I tugged the wire. Which luckily that place can't fire me because I pulled that wire in a way that it would have broke it. Right. Just to get it to turn off so I could pull my hair out. I made the mistake of leaving the vacuum on while I laid it down to check if there was something stuck in it. And then proceeded to look under my bed and I like turned my head and my ponytail got sucked up. Oh no. Yeah. Blonde moment there for me. People forget you're blonde. I know, but it shows in the most spectacular ways. <laughs> Back to Pee-wee. Uh, around one years old, it's alleged that he drank a bottle of kerosene and spent the next two years suffering from convulsions, and he was unable to eat properly because it, like, singed his throat. Pee-wee got his nickname due to his small size, as he was only four pounds when he was born, and also potentially due to drinking kerosene because it most likely stunted his growth. So he was he was always a very tiny man. At five years old, he had already had he already had an affinity towards animal mutilation. He would pull the legs off of bullfrogs, murder a nest full of baby birds, and even use traps to catch larger birds, only to rip their head off with his bare hands. He claims that he had an abusive childhood, stating that his mother's male friends would often abuse and even molest him, which she would... If It's alleged that she endorsed it. It's feeling a lot like Sylvia Likens again. Just a bit. <laughs> Uh, the only difference is a lot of a lot of the information that exists on Pee Wee Gaskins comes from uh-huh. his novel. Um, what the hell is it called? I sent you. Like he wrote the novel, or he dictated it to an author. The final okay. truth. He's so one it's of his the... version of all the accounts. Yes. So he okay. he is one of the few serial killers that actually had a hand in writing his own autobiography. But okay. a lot of it is probably over-embellished. So everything that comes directly from him, you got to take with a very large grain of salt. Because it's not... Like, even his um, murder count isn't confirmed. Most aren't, I've noticed. Like, a lot of serial killers, there's speculation that sometimes they're going to be greater than what we know of. Unless there's, like, a definite way to confirm. Like, why well, I guess... If they've just started killing. Right. Like, uh, there's... I forgot the guy's name. Uh, There's, like, some dude that has, like, hundreds of murders under his belt. But I think there's speculation if all of them were him. Or if there may be more out there. Because it was just... They kept tying things to him. But it was also... I think a lot of them were loosely tied to him. So I don't know if that meant he definitely did it or it's just like, well, these line up with where he was and the timeline and it could be him. Right. But there's no definite confirmation. Well, and I think if I can figure out who it was. 
with Pee-wee, I think he definitely over embellished. So I, his his confirmed number is like only thirteen or fifteen, but okay. he claims to have killed over one hundred and ten people. So like it's Holy wildly over embellished. Yeah. Uh, so he claims to have an abusive childhood, although the truth of these statements is unclear. Pee-wee had a hand in writing his own autobiography. However, the author of the novel actually stopped going, stopped giving interviews on the subject. He either no longer wanted to be associated with the work, or he finally realized that what he'd written down was, um, he either finally realized that what he had written down was absolutely horrific or he's just kind of ashamed of the story altogether so he stopped any kind of publicity on the novel his family retorts the claims of abuse claiming that he was able to get away with anything due to his small size saying he was cute too cute to punish personally i can't imagine i can't imagine it was a happy childhood regardless sorry i'm mushing the fuck out of my kid right now I just like the cute, too cute to punish. Wah! <laughs> Mush. She's been relentless with my desk lately. I don't know if there's something over here that she just absolutely wants, or it's she just wants the- everything. I know. I even rearranged it so she couldn't get to as many things, and now she's just like more persistent on trying to get to things. Anywho, can I get her her own little desk? I think I've tried. Do the cat method. Use your own little laptop. Boop, boop, I boop. did. I brought the... I I rearranged again. I brought the end table over next to my desk and I set her up with like a drawing pad and uh, highlighters mm. so they wouldn't be terribly toxic or, you know, get all over everything. That worked for That's like 10 minutes. covered in highlighter the other day. Yeah. His family retorts the claims of abuse, claiming that he was able to get away with anything due to his small size, saying he was too cute to punish. Personally, I can't imagine it was a happy childhood regardless. Pee-wee wrote in his book that he grew up like a weed. He wasn't raised like most children. Instead, he just was. And I think from what I remember, because last podcast on the left did a whole deep dive on this topic. So if you want like heavy detail about everything, definitely take a listen on that one. Oh, Oh, side tangent. This can be edited out. You know how I was talking about how I was on that drama channel yesterday on YouTube and I was talking about that crazy lady who was, like, grooming kids and, like, like she did the ukulele song. Did you listen to Brain Leak today? No. Did they talk about it? Oh, my God, they talked about it. And I was like, the fuck? That happened to me with um, My Favorite Murder. They talked about one of the YouTubers that Danny watches where he he does landscaping for free. Where I've seen that guy on TikTok. Yeah, he'll record the landscaping for like abandoned properties and he does it completely for free. And yeah. he's actually found, he's had to call the police a few times because he's found dead bodies in the backyard. Because mm-hmm. sometimes these places are abandoned for, you know, years, decades at a time. Yeah. I've also seen uh, the guy that does the magnet fishing. Yeah, and I imagine he's, he's found probably... a couple. He's found a couple weird things. I think they found a car that had a dead body in it. Like, he helped solve a a cold case. First, I think the person was declared missing <coughs> years, years ago. Like, the car was so old. Right. But um, as far as TikTok, uh, they could only show so much before it was like, well, 
this is now a crime scene and we can't show you what's in the car because there's a dead body in the car. Right. I don't want to get banned today, so we're going to move on. Yeah. It was all blurred out, so like. Yeah. Right. On topic. So there was a pivotal moment in Pee Wee's childhood when one of his stepdads took him and his siblings to the county fair. This is actually how I found Pee Wee because I was going to go into the history of carnivals and like crazy carnival accidents. And then I actually thought you were going to end up talking about Lobster Boy. I don't know about Lobster Boy. uh, Well, the American Horror Story, I think, was based on a real serial killer. Most likely. And I think Lobster Boy, uh, Grady Styles, American Freak Show performer and murderer. I guess he's more on the freak show side than the carnival side. But yeah, no, he was a. He was uh, featured in American Horror Story. He was uh, the dude that was born with the deformity where his hands look like lobster claws. Oh, okay. Apparently it was a family thing. But he uh, killed people. Gotcha. Well, definitely planning on doing some kind of um, research for carnivals and like the history of how they started. Mm-hmm. But I found Pee Wee and I, I couldn't help myself. And then I remembered I about say Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, uh, I remembered about the last podcast episode, so I listened to that recently to kind of refresh my memory okay. on him. But there was a pivotal moment in Pee Wee's childhood when one of his stepdads took him and his siblings to the county fair. At the fair, there was a show including a king cobra. Most of the onlookers shield shielded away from the scene in front of them. The large cobra, still with a full belly, evident from the bulge along his length, sat lazily in the cage while the showman placed a mouse inside. The mouse scurried around and tried to escape, looking for any possible exit, and when it realized its inevitable fate, it stood as still as possible, trying to hide. The cobra, seemingly bored, decided it was time to strike. It slithered over to the mouse and and ate it. Most of the audience was horrified or shocked by the display, while Pee-wee was in utter joy. He locked eyes with the cobra and felt an inner kinship with the creature. It was then that he realized he was rock hard. Excuse me. This is a child. What the fuck? Like, he's not even, like, hasn't even reached teenagerhood yet. Like, it's horrific. Normally it starts with morning wood, not, uh snake erotica yeah and i'm pretty sure the showman said something along the lines of like uh a cobra doesn't kill because he needs to he kills because he wants to and that like spoke to something within peewee why are you such a huge fly oh my god (laughs) the horse fly fucking huge whack it i don't want to there's too many important things on my desk so during his During his childhood, Pee-wee dropped out of school when he was about 11 years old. He started working at a local car garage, uh, and this is where he met Marsh and Danny. In his younger years, he was involved in many different forms of horrible behaviors, starting with petty theft and various crimes, one of which included peeping in on a church bathroom, which I'm pretty sure they dug like a trench or something outside, and they were watching people go to the bathroom. And then, of course, they were caught because they dug a trench outside of a church. Like, what the fuck else are you doing? Gross. (laughs) He and his friends would commit their acts against the community and then retreat to what they called the hideout. 
Over the years, the boys would break into homes, smoke cigarettes, and brag about their sexual knowledge, even though, well, they might have, but they basically did that boy thing of like, yeah, I know what boobs are. I know what sex is. After cashing out what they stole, they would take trips over to Charleston near the military base and pay the local sex workers for their services. Pee-wee says that this is where they lost their quote-unquote pussy fuck cherries. Which is quite possibly the worst way to say that. What cherries did they lose beforehand? I don't, I, well, I'll get into that. But yeah, they would they would basically steal shit, sell it, and then go to the the local sex workers and fool around with them. Uh, and Danny's dad actually caught them at one point stealing things, and instead of yelling at them or turning them into the police, proceeded to teach them about what to steal, what's important, what's going to sell well, and how to get away with it. And he even sold some of the items to his uh fence that he knew his so, fence yeah. yeah it's what you call um somebody that steals stolen goods oh i did not know that yeah I've never i'm sure there's before. other names for it but i know one of them is called a fence oh okay so this didn't last long the boys had very poor views on women and decided that the local sex workers were no longer good enough for them. Very telling of Pee-wee's view on women already. He despised them and considered them dirty and worthless. Marsh and Danny were the last of the boys at this point in time, as the other boys didn't seem to like being molested or sodomized. The remaining ah. three started to call themselves the Trouble Trio. Yeah, because when they stopped going to see the sex workers, they would just fool around with each other. These kids aren't, uh, these kids aren't still very much children. What? Oh, these kids are still very much children, and it's hard, horrifying to think about the horrific acts that happened in that hideout. Marsh often preferred little boys and would often lure them back to the hideout, and when they were finished with them, they would threaten their lives if told anyone, if they told anybody what, what happened. That dyslexia is really kicking in there. Yeah. Well, and it's my... <laughs> I typed this. Like, yeah. I didn't even copy-paste this. I, this is my train of thought, so it's even worse. It's like double <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> oh, there's the ice cream truck. Um, oh, and then I think... Uh, I, I didn't want to quote it, because I haven't actually read the book. It's just secondhand through listening to a couple of podcasts about it, and then also reading a few articles. Okay. Um, but the Pee-wee and Marsh would, or Pee-wee uh -huh. and Danny, I forget. The two of the boys would often let the third perform <clears throat> perform acts of Felicio on each other because they could. They didn't consider it to be gay. They just thought, well, he likes doing it, and we're friends, so we're just gonna let him. Mind you, these guys are. 11 and 12 like these are babies this is awful weird fucking terrible like i found it weird when kid when we were in middle school and high school and freaking kids were do going around doing stuff yeah definitely not normal behavior when the boys turned 13 and here's where it does get much darker uh -oh. they got the idea to see what a virgin would feel like 
But as they are the known de- known degenerates of the small town, they had a hard time trying to convince the local girls to come back to their hideout. Thankfully for those girls. Marsh then gets the idea to lure his sister out, who's younger than them. Oh, no. They asked their mother if they could take her out to a movie, and the mother didn't see an issue with that, obviously unaware of what was about to happen to her, her child from yeah. her other child. The boys then took her back to the hideout, where they all took turns with her. They threatened her life as well if she ever spoke a word about what happened, but thankfully, as soon as they returned to Marsh's home, she told her mother immediately. The boys were Good. roped Good up. for her. Yeah. The boys were roped up and hung by their ankles in the backyard and beaten until they were bloody. Shortly after this event, Danny and Marsh would move away, only leaving Pee-wee behind. In 1946, that was Pee-wee's next escalation. He was breaking into a home when he was interrupted by a young girl. She realized he was trying to break in, so she decided to come after him with an axe. Uh There were varying uh, information about whether or not she actually hit him, but she came at him with an axe. He was able to get away from get it away from her, and he ended up hitting her in the arm and actually cracking her skull. Covered in blood, he fled the scene, but luckily the girl made a full recovery and was able to name Pee-wee as the attacker. He tried to make up some poor excuse about seeing the girl being attacked in a field, And he tried to save her, but it was very clear that he was stretching the truth and just trying not to get in trouble. Like, the police saw right through it. Which, you know, kind of reinforces the... his whole novel and how it's probably over-embellished quite a bit. Okay. The police saw through the lies and he was sent away to a reform school, although there were varying stories about why he was sent there. South Carolina Industrial School for White Boys. He was sentenced to the reform school with charges for assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill until he turned 18. Which I think is actually his longest prison sentence until he's much older. Well, prison reform school. On his... On his first day of school, he learned of what was called the pecking order, in which larger boys would claim the smaller boys. He was claimed by a large boy, also known as a boss boy, and told to meet him in his bunk later that night. Acutely aware of what was going to happen, Pee-wee read his rule book and noted that any unnatural sex acts were punishable with time and isolation. And uh, hard labor, I think, was also included in that. He weighed his options and chose not to go to his boss boy's room. The next day in the showers, he was confronted by a large group of boys, including the new boss. It was in the showers that he laid his claim, pushing Pee-wee to the floor, where he proceeded to sodomize him, after which every one of the other 20 boys in the shower followed suit. Pee-wee experienced a whole new world of pain, and when it was finished, his boss boy told him that he could either do as he was told... Or he would be gang-raped like this on the daily. He chose the protection and submitted to the larger boy, who would continue to use him and even loan him out to other boys to commission favors. And my first thought in hearing this part of the story was like, where the fuck are the adults? How is this just okay? When did this take place? Uh, This is after 1946. So it's like in the 40s and 50s that's probably why yeah 
parents Fucking awful i don't want to say they trusted their kids more but i feel like like listening from to stories that um, like my dad and uncles would talk about they just they went out yeah like i remember I, when this is supposed to be uncle, a... one of the two talking about how they they went and played in the graveyard when they were kids I mean, we did too, but like this is supposed to be a reform school, not the way we did. Like we, the way they pl- they just talked about playing the way we did. No, like, uh, we would go there and walk around and like explore, but like they were causing mischief. And most of the time, we heard the story, and then it's like, oh, and when Grandpa found out, <laughs> they got a beating. No, my grandpa didn't beat them. Oh. Oh, that's good. It was a very stern talking to. Oh. Some might My say grandpa. that is worse. <laughs> I'm not mad. My I'm disappointed. Was very, uh, I don't think he was really too bad with like discipline and stuff like that, but like he was very particular in his ways. Mm-hmm. Like I know one story growing up, it was always the um you didn't throw anything away, for one thing. Nothing right. was wasted. Nothing was thrown away. It's so like Christmas would roll around and they would pick the tinsel off the tree. Oh, no. And they got real trees. So it wasn't just like, oh, like if one or two got left on it, it's not that big a deal. We'll be back next year. No, they got a real tree. So they had to pick every single piece of tinsel. That's so incredibly tedious. Now it's to the point my dad doesn't even want to put garland on the tree. Right? I like garland. I like it. I can't, I can't use it. At least like that it. comes off in one loop. Unless you break it. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, back to the school of horrors. Pee-wee would often escape from the school, only to be dragged back by the local chief. He spent five years at the reform school, and on one of his return trips with the chief, he looked at him in the back and decided to let him go, since he would probably be back in a day or two anyway. So he was basically like, hey, you know, I don't feel like driving to the school today. (laughs) See you later. Go have the day. I'll pick you up tomorrow. Uh, realizing he had a chance at freedom, he ran to the local fair and joined the ranks of the carnival. He knew he'd be able to keep moving, so he found himself a job and traveled around. With his newfound freedom, he married a local girl and found work burning down farms for insurance scammers. He worked on the tobacco farms and the owners would pay him to set fire to the barns so they could claim the insurance money. When he was caught by the daughter of one of the farm owners who threatened to turn him in, he took a hammer to the side of her head. She would su- luckily survive her injuries and turned him in th- into the police once more. He was charged with five to six years for attempted murder. Finally, in a proper prison, Gaskins was introduced to a new pecking order. He was once again claimed due to his small stature even as adult, he even as an adult, he was five foot four and about one hundred and thirty pounds, making him an easy target. He learned about the new order of power men, and found out about a man who was above all the other ranks. His name was Hazel Brazel, and if he ever used his first name, he'd kill you on the spot. So I can't imagine many people liked him, but he was. Mm. There was the power men, the men that they claimed. <clears throat> and then this guy was above everybody, so like nobody touched him. Ah, uh, he was a bitch boy. Hey, uh, he was a prison bitch. Pee wee. Pee wee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pee wee was a prison bitch. Everyone was scared of him, so trying to elevate his status and get some respect in the prison, he decided he had to find a prisoner to kill to prove himself. 
So he decided to start bringing him a sandwich every day. He worked in the kitchen, so he was able to make food and he would, you know, make an extra sandwich just for him. He wouldn't Uh say a word. He would just go to his cell, deliver the food and leave. After a few days of doing this, he stole a knife from the kitchen. And when he went to deliver his sandwich, as he usually did, the guard guarding Hazel stopped him. But then the man inside, Hazel, uh, he was on the toilet fully naked reading something he calls him and says ah it's just peewee let him in so while he's taking a dump most likely because what else are you doing sitting naked on a toilet reading (laughs) i guess so uh he called peewee in to deliver his food when he entered the cell before the man could even register what was happening he lunged forward and slit his throat With Hazel dead, Pee-wee gained a huge status increase as the other high-ranking inmates praised him and told him their relief that he was finally dead. He later would claim... He later claimed it was self-defense and only got an extra three years added to his sentence. Only? Yeah, just another three years. Like, hey, don't do that. But, like, also thanks. That guy was a... I probably shouldn't say that. I'll bleep that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those bad curses that are worse than the rest of them. I mean, I have no issue with it, but yeah, no, there's a lot of people who don't like that one. It's actually my favorite word. I know. In 1955, his wife, because he's been married this whole time, his wife filed for divorce while he was in prison. Enraged enraged by this, once again, he escaped from the jail riding inside of a trash barrel. Ah. Police picked him up. Yeah. I don't know what he was going to do. He's pissed, though. Uh, Police picked him up in the Trouble Trio's old hideout. Oh, yeah, that's what they called themselves, the three boys. They called themselves the Trouble Trio, Trio, which is such a unique name. Yeah. (laughs) He finished his sentence. There must have been something that happened, but he didn't really do much. Um, Or at least I didn't write down what he did. But he basically, he escaped through the trash, and then he was picked up in the hideout soon after. He finished his sentence and then got out in 1961. He remarried shortly after getting out, but this one only lasted two weeks. Then he became involved with Betty Gates. I believe he was, in total, he was married like six times. But after a while, he got tired of filing for divorce. So he was legally married to like five or six different women at one time. But I think that's later. Is that legal though? No, but it's also the uh, fifty. It's the fifty. We're in the fifties right I mean, now, like, so like they so don't give a shit. They may not give a shit if he keeps getting married, but I'm pretty sure every marriage after whatever the most recent legal one, none of them are valid. I don't know if that still counts, or if that counted back then, or if they I even checked. That, I was. I think that was that's been a thing for a long time, to my knowledge. I don't know. I've never looked into it. I don't know. Weird. Anywho, I'm still flabbergasted by the fact that he was married so many times. Flabbergasted he was married once. Yeah. Like, damn. I can't even find someone. Right? The serial killer had six. (laughs) Plus some. So, uh, Betty Gates. She was a contortionist. And he was absolutely infatuated with how many different positions she can get into. 
Betty, uh. <laughs> after uh, gallivanting around with Betty for a bit, she eventually needed to leave after she got a letter from her brother in jail. Pee-wee, oh. Pee-wee offered to go with her and help her with the money to bail him out. When they arrived at the prison, uh... Betty decided now is the time to tell him that she was actually, she couldn't go into the prison because she had warrants out for her arrest and a whole laundry Uh, list of crimes. And he's just like, what the fuck? I can't go in there. So, of course. We are both criminals. Why did we come to jail? (laughs) So, of course, uh, shocked and obviously pissed off, Pee Wee decides to go in anyway to help get the brother out because... Betty promises a surprise when he gets done with this task. Surprise, he's not really my brother. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh no! Pee Wee alone went in and delivered her brother a box of cigarettes, or a, a carton of cigarettes, and the money for bail. He went back to the hotel, waiting the surprise from Betty, but she never came. Inside the ca- uh, cigarette carton, turns out there was a razor. For her husband to escape the prison with. I knew it wasn't her brother. The police showed up to the hotel, quick, quickly figuring out that Pee Wee was also an escaped prisoner, and was then returned to prison once again for aiding the escape. I thought he finished his sentence. He said before. It's so confusing with how many times he's been in jail. I can't. I can't remember. So he was charged with aiding the escape of another prisoner. So I think that's where I messed that one up. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but they anyway, basically he's in jail again. they basically figured out that he was a convicted criminal and that he helped the other guy escape. So poor little Pee Wee and his sad wee wee went back to jail. <laughs> so he didn't get a surprise. Yeah, I mean, he got a surprise, just not for his wee wee. No. So now we jump to August 1961. He reali- he's released from prison and returned to South Carolina. This last sentence was pr- pretty much uneventful since he was just there and still held the status from mur- murdering Hazel. Of course, mm-hmm. he couldn't stay out of trouble long and started burglarizing homes again. He managed to avoid by being caught by working with a traveling minister as his driver and general assistant. He would use the minister shows as an opportunity to break into homes of people attending the show. So they would come into town. He knew that everybody was at the show. So he'd just go basically walk through all these people's homes and take whatever he wanted. Mm. But of course, as with Pee Wee, this didn't last long. So basically he was captured and charged for raping a 12 year old girl. But unfortunately, he escaped before making it to jail through a small window and stole a car and headed towards North Carolina. Once there, he met a 17-year-old girl whom he proceeded to marry. She eventually turned him into the police for statutory rape and received six years in a Columbia penitentiary because the car he stole, he crossed state lines, so now he went to a federal prison. In November 1968, he was paroled and made a vow to never return again because I think some of his... um, status came with him so again uneventful nothing much happened in that prison sentence either so now this is where i got a little bit lost on the timeline but he would describe his urges to kill similar to a woman's pms symptoms 
He would get an itch that turned into a migraine just behind his eye, and not knowing how to quell the symptoms, he picked up a hitchhiker in September of 1969. Where are you going? So at this time, he's just, he's spending time with the different families because he's got, Mm -hmm. you know, three or four wives at this point. Jesus. And I don't know if he had kids with all of them. I didn't really feel like tracking down all those different relationships, but he, you know, the couple of them that did have kids. Poor kids. He was surprisingly a family man. So because of his, you know, quote unquote, shitty childhood and how his mom was with all the different men. He used to be enraged if people drank, cursed, or acted inappropriately around children. But he raped one. But he, yeah, it's not, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But for some reason, he had these weird set of morals around kids. So he was surprisingly good to his kids. And I'm pretty sure he has one daughter that's, I think, still alive. So I'm not going to name her, but. Um, she still loves him. Like, she'll still admit that, like, yeah, I know my dad was a piece of shit and a horrible person, but, like, I still love him because he was a good dad. Okay. I was gonna say, I want the kids' accounts, because I'm not gonna believe him him saying he's a good family man, when, for all we know, he thinks he's a good family man, but he's actually, like, mentally abusing his kids. Well, and that's... His daughter would give, uh interviews and stuff basically saying like he wasn't bad to us he never mistreated us he didn't even hit us hmm. so he was weirdly good to his own families and he would never spend Let's too much that neighbor kid right he would never spend too much time with one family or another he would basically go about six weeks uh sometimes it was either six weeks or like every tenth of the month or some shit similar to a period where he would start to get <laughs> he would start to get this ache and it would creep up his body and linger behind his eye and the first time it happened he didn't know what to do about it so he went driving and he picked up a hitchhiker this was september 19- 19 it's the murder tingles doesn't you know it's yeah like the spidey sense <laughs> september 1969 uh, as soon as she entered the car she started to give him a rundown of her life From what I remember, I think this pissed him off because she just kept talking and he's like, I didn't ask. (laughs) So he made a sexual proposition to her saying that he was only going to drive her so far, but if she was willing to do him a favor, he would drive her all the way to her destination. She laughed in his face, which pissed him off. And it was then that he made the decision to murder her. As soon as he made this decision, he realized, well, I'm going to kill her. So that means I can do whatever I want to her. So this way, she she's not going to tell anybody because she'll be dead. If he actually murders this one. If this actually happened. This is in a... Well, I'll get to it later. I don't want to jump around my notes too much. Uh-huh. Gaskins drove down a deserted road and parked under the cover of trees. It was here that he bashed the side of her head and dragged her from the car and beat her unconscious. When she woke up, he took a long needle-like dagger from his car and cut off her nipple... He started to chew it in front of her and she screamed. And when she started screaming, he took it out of his mouth and then forced her to eat it. She gagged and vomited, which only angered him more, and he couldn't understand why she was throwing up, but he shook himself free of the fluids and continued to torture her. He raped and sodomized her, and I'm not sure how long this went on for, but when he was finished, well, 
quote unquote finished. He wasn't done yet. He grabbed some chain and hoisted her up in a tree, kind of like a flag or an engine hoist. And this part's bad, and I don't know if I'm going to keep it in. He flipped her on her stomach and inched the knife into her rectum. He sawed back and forth until her two holes became one. Holy crap. Yeah. And this is one of those. No unintended. Yeah, this is one of those like unconfirmed ones. Like they they checked the area where he claims these things happened, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Have, they don't have bodies for any of these. Okay. But Satis- to even just um, like think that up is crazy. Yeah, that's that's the fucked part is the fact that he he either fantasized about doing this to people or he actually did this to people. Hmm. Satisfied that his PMS. PMS was quenched. He dragged her over to the river. Or no, I'm sorry. He went to a swamp. So he went to two different Mm. locations for this. The first one, he beat her unconscious and raped her. And then he brought her to a swamp, tied her to a tree branch. And then he threw her in the swamp until the bubbles stopped coming up. He would continue to pick up various hitchhikers and sex workers over the years whenever his PMS became present again. Although there's no confirmation on these murders, he claims that these coastal kills ranged from 80 to 110 victims. These were described as his pleasure murders. Although he preferred female victims, investigators found some male and female victims alongside the Carolina highways, but it's unconfirmed on whether or not he had actually murdered them. This is Hmm. where he honed his skills for torture. He enjoyed keeping his victims alive through it all. He also dabbled with cannibalism, often forcing his victims to ingest various parts of themselves and even cooking it and eating it himself. Pee-wee claimed that once he cooked and ate a nipple, saying that cooking it didn't make it taste any better. Gross. Yeah. Fucking absolutely disgusting. He also attempted drinking blood although he ended up puking it back up claiming it that he didn't like the taste of that either through 1969 to 1975 he would repeat this pattern of picking up hitchhikers where he would stab strangle suffocate and shoot both men and women gaskins would talk of these coastal kills as a pleasure hobby which varied from his serious murders in 1970 one murder involved a fifth his one murder involved his 15-year-old niece, Janice Kirby, and her 17-year-old friend, Patricia Ann Ellsbrook. Pee-wee had a strange set of morals. He refused to drink, curse, or abuse his children, often running off for weeks at a time to avoid murdering his own kids. But when his niece saw him driving around after getting drunk with her friends, she flagged him down and asked for a ride. So this way, they wouldn't have to go home drunk because they didn't want to get in trouble. The one friend was sober enough to go home, but the other two, Patricia and Janice, were obviously still drunk. This infuriated him, but he took one of her friends home while taking the other two back to his... uh, I forget if it was his house or an abandoned house, but he took them back somewhere. Yeah. Once there, he took his niece into the bathroom to wash off the vomit because she had thrown up in the car on the way over. Her friend was starting to sober up and became very uncomfortable with the situation and voiced her discomfort. Gaskin stated that he was her uncle and that he he had bathed her many times before so she could either help or shut up. 
Not knowing what to do, her friend helped her. She helped her friend and bathed her. I'm pretty sure she was crying through most of it. After this was complete, he instructed the girls to his to go to his bedroom so he could grab them some clean clothes. It was in his room where he instructed them both to undress. Highly uncomfortable now, Patricia tried to fight back. She didn't want to, and she obviously knew something was very wrong. Pee-wee then beat and raped the two girls. Patricia was thrown in his septic tank, and when it came to his niece, Janice, he felt that putting her in the same grave wasn't good enough for her family. So, those weird morals coming out again. He put her in the trunk and drove to his other sister's house and sat down for tea. The sister would later say that she had absolutely no idea her niece's dead body was just outside. He later buried her in a shallowed grave near the family plots. So, another of his serious murders involved someone who he considered to be a friend. Pee-wee would never admit to being racist, but when Doreen Dempsey was leaving town with her two-year-old child and pregnant with her second child, she spotted Gaskins and flagged him down for a ride. It's alleged that he murdered her because her child was half-black, but without confirmation, it's it remains unknown as to why exactly he decided to kill them. So, Gaskins decided to give them a ride. And at some point during the drive, he decided to pull off the road into a secluded part of the forest. This is where, and this is the heaviest trigger warning I've ever given in my life. If you do not want to hear this, please skip like 15 seconds. That's all you need. Just hit skip twice and you'll be fine. This is where he raped and murdered not only Doreen, but her two-year-old child as well. And he buried them in a shallow grave together. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Is that a confirmed one, though? Possibly. Is that one? Okay. Because I was say, because who knows if that was actually true, if he was just making things up. As far as I can tell, body. as far as I can tell, that one was true because there's pictures. One of the images I sent you was of his, like, confirmed murders. Okay. And there's a, there's a picture of a, well, I mean, we have her name and then there's also a picture of her and her child. True. So yeah, absolutely god awful. I I I didn't even look up the details about that one because I just I did I personally didn't want to know. But that one I mean th- there's really no details to even get. No. The act is horrible and the aftermath is horrible. So, jumping ahead, Gaskin is now 42 years old in 1975 and he has been killing for the past 6 years. Up until now, he had been working alone. That was until he murdered three people after he found them on the side of the road when their van broke down. He called up an ex-con named Walter Neely to drive the victim's van to his garage so he can repaint it and sell it. It was around this time he also got hired as a hitman. Suzanne Kipper paid him $1,500 to kill her ex-boyfriend, Silas Yates. On February 12th, 1975, Diane Neely lured him out of the house by claiming to have car trouble. Gaskins then kidnapped and murdered Yates while Powell and Owens, people that uh, he used to communicate to act out this murder, they just watched. All three would help bury the body. After this, Diane and her current boyfriend decided to blackmail Pee-wee. They asked for $5,000 in hush money, so of course, Pee-wee arranged a meeting with the two of them and murdered them both. 
because why in the world would you try to blackmail the guy that you just hired to kill somebody else? Around the same time, Gaskins had tortured and killed other people he knew, such as Kim Gelkins, a 13-year-old that rejected him. Two locals robbed Gaskins' repair shop without knowing about his bad side. He eventually killed and buried these two and the other locals in his private cemetery. Once again, he called on Walter Neely to help him bury the two bodies. While there, Gaskins even showed Neely where he had buried the other locals. Walter Neely, who had readily assisted him in burying corpses, destroying evidence, and fencing stolen goods. At one point, Gaskins came to trust Neely, enough to murder Dennis Bellamy, 28, and Johnny Knight, 15, right while his pal watched. That would later backfire on Pee-wee. After the disappearance of Kim Gelkins, the authorities began to become suspicious of Gaskins. After searching his apartment, they found clothing that had been worn by Gelkins. Pee-wee was indicted for contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and Neely cracked under pressure while waiting for the trial and showed the police Gaskins' private cemetery. In the cemetery, they found the bodies of the following. Sellers, Judy, Howard, Diane Neely, John Knight, Dennis Bellamy, Doreen Dempsey, and her child. On April 27, 1976, Gaskins and Walter Neely were charged with eight counts of murder. On May 24, 1976, a jury convicted Gaskins of the murder of Dennis Bellamy and he was sentenced to death. In an attempt to avoid additional death sentences, he later confessed to seven more murders. In November 1976, the Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional, so his de death sentence was converted to life with seven consecutive life sentences. In 1978, the death penalty was restored. This didn't mean anything to Gaskins until he was caught and found guilty for being paid to murder a fellow prisoner, Rudolf Tyner. This conviction caused him to receive yet another death sentence. He began confessing for other murders to avoid the electric chair. If these confessions were true, then he would be the worst killer in South Carolina's history. He admitted to the murder of Peggy Catino, but prosecutors had already charged and sentenced William Pierce to life in prison for the murder. Gaskin's confession was rejected. Over the last months of his life, he worked with author Wilton Earle on his book, Final Truth. This book was published in 1993 and discussed the murders and the bothersome feelings Gaskins felt throughout his life. On the day of his execution, he cut his wrists in a last attempt to avoid the, the electric chair. However, it didn't work. Gaskins was placed in the chair because he was too short to just sit. He actually had to like climb into it with stitched arms and pronounced dead by electrocution September 6th. 1991. So this guy was actually alive when we were born. Wait. He died no. in 91. What month? September. No. Yeah. That's horrible. I know. <clears throat> it explains my mom why my mom was so adamant when I was younger about like stranger danger and like don't fucking ever well, walk away there from us. How many serial killers? I know. Well, I didn't Around know that, that as a kid. She never told me about yeah. any of this stuff. But, like, the more I learn now and, like, piece together the timelines, the more I realize, like, oh, she grew up with some fucking horrible shit. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely need to, like, throw some names at her and see if she remembers any of them. 
I also think there's a lot of um times have definitely changed I know with that because I know they always make the joke like oh why were like serial killers really big in the 60s and stuff but like nowadays you don't hear about it as much and people make the joke saying because millennials don't answer the door yeah where and we back then lock like, our doors it was very common for people to answer the door like mm-hmm. even today a dude came by about uh they were doing they're going around trying to get people like redo their windows and stuff yeah and um like my brain as soon as i heard the knock i was like who the fuck is that i i legitimately tell people my day I tell people not to use my doorbell because it scares the fuck out of me every time. Try a knock. <laughs> just a little knock. But I and if I know it's you, just come morning. in. Yeah, but sometimes my hands are full. That's true. So sometimes I, also, I appreciate when someone opens the door. I also, if if I haven't gone out anywhere, like Danny locks the door when he leaves in the morning because we're still sleeping. Understandable. And if I'm at all ever home, the door's locked. Like I don't just hang out with the door unlocked. If I'm up in my room, sometimes my like when my dad goes up north, he'll lock the door just yeah. because he doesn't know when we're coming downstairs. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm awake. I'm just in my room. Right. There was actually, I forget what the murderer was. He claimed that any time that he walked up to a door and the door was unlocked, it was his uh-huh. sign from God that he was allowed to murder these people. That is dumb. And that's why I lock my door. <laughs> lock your fucking doors. I don't know. I lock, as soon as I sit down in my car, I lock my door because there's how many fucking cases of women getting abducted from their cars. Yeah. Yeah, if you and ever find like, nah, weird shit that. on your car, just get in and go somewhere else on to take it, it off. in it, wherever. If you don't trust your, like, if you think there's a suspicious car near your car, Go back in wherever you came from and be like, hey, can you escort me to my car? They're probably going to look at you weird, but hey, it don't if matter. It's a, most likely if it's a woman at the front desk, they'll be like, yeah, let me call security for you. Yeah. Security will come walk you to your car. Mm-hmm. Or there was a, I know there was a case where, not a case, but um, a TikTok where a woman, uh, there was this, um white van parked next to her like in a very weird like very close to her yeah and it was just like there's absolutely no, they didn't get out of their car they're just sitting there they're clearly backed into the spot and they were like really close to the one side of the car yeah so she actually went back into the walgreens and the manager walked her out and as soon as uh the manager started walking over towards the other the van gone they were gone yeah i've heard so many stories like that where the van parks on the driver's side so when you're putting your stuff in your car, they just mm-hmm. whoop, scoop you up and take you home. Well, not home. The, to their home or to wherever they're going. But yeah, now I get to. Whatever warehouse they're going to stick you in. I don't know. I felt, it's also, that's how um my brain is thinking of something and I forgot what it was. It's all right. Let me wrap up Pee Wee. It is unknown as to how many murders Gaskins actually committed since the information was never provided for all of the bodies and they couldn't confirm most of them. Maybe he just wanted to be known as the most prolific serial killer in South Carolina. One thing was known for certain is that Donald Gaskins was a psychopath who has no regard for human life. Going on last podcast, just, uh, they were describing the highway, the coastal kills, similar to the highway murders, the highway mm-hmm. serial. He has a name. I don't remember. There's a lot name. of them that have names. But, like, specifically in um, California, 
the something highway. I'm, it's escaping me. I think they just found the him that too. That was caught recently. Yeah, I forget, but th- like that that road was longer, and they found more bodies on that road than they did for Gaskins. So it's definitely like he over he had to have over embellished those. William Bonin. What was his name? Was it the Green something? I said William Bowen. He was the freeway qu- freeway killer. Freeway killer. That's what it was. American serial killer and twice paroled sex offender who committed the rape, torture, and murder of the minimum of 21 young men and boys in a series of killings in Southern California from May 1979 to June of 1980. Right. So that highway that he was murdering people on is bigger than the highway that Gaskins claimed to kill all those people on. And yet there's no bodies, no confirmations, no... Where William has 21 to 36 confirmed, I guess. And then there's a plus next to the 36, so I guess there's more unconfirmed. Yeah, like that. that is more likely a situation where there's more that they haven't found yet. Whereas Uh with Pee Wee, I guarantee you he over-embellished those. This is not the one I was talking about, though, that was caught recently. No. He's been dead for a while. (laughs) You're talking about the um, Zodiac Killer. Yes and no. They just figured out I know out Zodiac Killer was. was recently caught, but there was someone else. No, there was a dude that was caught in, in Jersey for committing murders. Oh. He killed three uh, three women. I think that... I saw him on the news this morning. That's the only reason I thought about it. Oh, shit. Yeah, no. I don't remember who he was. I don't know if he was New Jersey <clears throat> or New York. Also, funny side note, in my research for images for Instagram, I found out there's actually a pop punk band that calls themselves Pee Wee Gaskins. <laughs> so I'm like, why am I seeing all this band merch about Pee Wee Gaskins? And then I saw oh. it's a group of um, it's a group of Asian guys. Okay. I don't know actually know if they are or not, but they but yeah, it's a group of kids and they called themselves Pee Wee Gaskins. I don't, they, I'm hoping they know who that is and didn't just find a funny name. But yeah, that is the ungodly, horrific story of Pee Wee Gaskins. They are an Indonesian band, so they are Asian. Ah, okay. San San and Dochi wanted a serial killer as the name for their band. After doing some research on the internet, they found Donald Henry Gaskins, the American serial killer, and uh, chose his name Pee Wee as their band's name. That's horrible. So they do know who he is. Okay. Well, at least they know that there's a god-awful man that is the forefront of their band. And all of their merch. Yeah. They also had an um, an anti-fan group called Anti-Peewee Gaskins. Great. It was short-lived, though. I believe it. They made music from 2007 to 2019. Hmm. Anyway. So yeah, so you have that knowledge now. Um, yes. Apologies for any nightmares that might precede this, but yeah. I'll sleep like a baby. It's okay. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I think the thing is, I don't mind all this stuff because my brain's just like, it's not going to happen to you. If it were to happen to me, then fuck, I'd be ruined. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, there's like a thought. weird dissociation I, I think- that happens. Well, probably because, like, I am a cautious person. Like, I know people say it's fear, but it's not. It's 
realism in my opinion <laughs> thinking like, there are shitty people in the world so i'm not just gonna go wandering around the streets by myself right in like strange areas well or yeah places you I'm not comfortable with so like i that's why i don't go out very often unless i'm with someone right i'm like well i'm not just gonna go gallivant by myself in a, who knows where especially because you freaking have people who are stabbing murdering killing people in just like your backyard nowadays yeah i heard stories of people going into supermarkets and oh this was i learned this during my active shooter training they would walk into a supermarket with a gun and just start shooting all of the colored people and apologizing to the white people but they would just open fire into a supermarket and that i believe it (laughs) that scared the absolute fuck out of me for a long time i feel like that's becoming more prevalent sadly and you got people out there who like don't think anything of it. And they're just like, yeah, no, it, it's fine. It's happened. No, it's not fine. No. It's not fine. It's never Even fine. one person being killed for any reason is not fine. Yeah. Like, I don't care what fucking political view you have. I don't care. You shouldn't be murdered for it. If someone is being killed for whatever reason, th- unless they are a criminal who deserves, like, the death penalty, which is a very, very small amount of people in the world... But most places don't even have no the death kill. penalty anymore. Yeah. Because like most of... people who get put on death row never actually see death row because it, they their states don't have the death penalty anymore. They just literally sit in jail until the day they die. Right. Well, and they I think the but, main reason why the death penalty got lifted was because of too many wrongful convictions. Oh, yeah. There was a lot. Uh, there was... I don't remember when. I know there was a... a a black gentleman who was wrongfully imprisoned because a woman accused him, like, I don't know why, accused him of raping her, I think, or something. It had like, literally, he had nothing to do with it. Right. Like, I don't even know if, I honestly don't remember if he knew her or if he was just like a random ass dude that she was like, yeah, no, it was him. She was, thing. she was probably having an affair and chose him instead of her actual lover. Probably. So this way, either way, like what, however they did it, I don't know how the fuck they did it. They connected him to the crime and he sat in jail and I think was almost put to death until they realized, oh, wait, you're not a murderer. Or you're not a rapist or whatever the frick it was. And it's like, yeah, like he luckily was able to be released, but he was in jail for like like a good chunk of his adult life like he had no job no nothing so now he just gets thrown out into the public no home no no social skills no nothing and it's like okay cool his life got ruined i was like anyway i guess we should go on to my topic hey there editing kitty here just wanted to give you guys a quick update we're actually going to be splitting up this week's episode into two parts So you just heard us talk about Pee Wee Gaskins and, of course, our little side stories and tangents. Can't help it. We try, but... Next week, we'll be talking about Rogue Story of the Butterbox Babies. So be sure to subscribe and follow us on Spotify and make sure you get updates so this way you know when the next one comes out. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to our tales. We hope to have satisfied that creepy itch. Follow us on your favorite podcast app and look out for us on socials at Pod. No spaces. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for the voodoos. Farewell. Goodbye. I'll sleep like a baby. It's okay. I'm a weirdo. <laughs>